Hi, everybody. On this week's episode of Dudes of Kung Fu, we discuss the difference between being formless and being without form. We also will discuss the Wing Chun maxim, Chun Yao Som Fat, the punch comes from the heart, the fist comes from the heart. And we discuss some ideas of losing weight and getting fit. And, although not included in the episode, Alex and I have a huge announcement to make. On July 23rd at 4 o'clock, we are going to be doing the face our podcast live. And we're inviting all of you to join us at Alex's school, City Wing Chun, which is at 1024 6th Avenue on the 4th floor. And you can sit in the audience while Alex and I film the podcast live. It will be broadcast on YouTube and on Facebook. And there may even be some prizes handed out that I'm sure you all enjoy. So you are all absolutely welcome to join us at Alex's School, City Wing Chun, 1024 6th Avenue at 4 o'clock. We are starting 4 o'clock on the nose. So get there like 3.30 and there will be some prizes and we're going to have a lot of fun. So we'll see you there and I hope you enjoy the episode. Dudes of Kung Fu. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 8 of Dudes of Kung Fu. Yes, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody had a great week. Alex, how was your week, brother? Uh, my week was great, um, and you know, as always, super super busy uh, prepping for my show. I think by the time this uh, podcast hits, I would have already done my Yip Man uh, fact or fiction show, which is sold out. So uh, I unfortunately can't tell you guys anything about it because you know it's one of those back to the future moments where we are in the present, but we're also in the past. So I, I can't tell you if it was a total disaster or if it was amazing until probably the next podcast. So this is like this is like the perfect like. Big Bang Theory moment, right? We're, That's we're, right. If you think about it too deeply, your brain will literally explode. Uh, I will say one thing, though. This week, uh, I am going to L.A. for something really, really cool. Um, for those people who are like Kung Fu movie fans, which I assume a, a large percentage of our audience is, uh, you probably know or heard of uh, Lo Mong. He sometimes goes by Lo Mang. Uh, he was the toad from Five Deadly Venoms. And he was in uh, a lot of those uh, very iconic uh, films in the Shaw Brothers period, uh, directed by Chang Che. And I'm going to his birthday party in LA this week, which is like super cool. I've met Lo Mong a couple times in Hong Kong. And, you know, he's one of these guys that I watched his films when I was growing up. And now I'm like going to his birthday party. And guess what, Sean? You'll think this is funny. His birthday party, although we're going to LA to meet him, he's actually having his party in Tijuana, Mexico, of all places. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just hoping there's no like weird live donkey show or something like oh, that. Okay. And then, and then I'll be totally cool. Although even if there is, I mean, how surreal is it to say, you know, I'm in Tijuana with the toad from Five Deadly Venoms <laughs> watching a donkey show. You know what I mean? like, it's like crazy. So that that's that's what my week has in store uh, uh, in the next few days. So uh, awesome. what about you? Anything new going on with you? Well, you know, I uh, made the announcement last week about the... Uh, about accepting students and the uh, the response has been awesome. I received a couple of calls. Awesome. And, um, things are going well, you know. Uh, my my son and I are actually, um, you know, this is all a man-made thing, right? My son is uh, helped me with the website, and it, that, that's coming along nicely. I By the way, were any were any of those phone calls just people who are like breathing really heavily on the other line? <laughs> <laughs> 
because that happened that happened to me when I first started teaching and that's that's not even a joke <laughs> you're assuming that I don't get those calls all the time <laughs> you're also assuming that I don't kind of like like those calls <laughs> <laughs> you're probably the guy who creeps out the guy trying to prank call you where there's like dude you're sick and they hang up on you right <laughs> and you're also assuming that I wasn't the one calling you. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> this is like an M. Night Shyamalan movie or whatever, where, you know, my greatest enemy is my podcast co-host, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I didn't know it, and, you know, and I was dead the whole time, but you knew it somehow or whatever, you know, the plot thickens. <laughs> so, so, anyway, so, yeah, so things are going well. We're, 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 we're putting everything together, and, um, yeah, you know, I teach, uh, I used to teach out of my basement in my house. I have a small little gym down there. And we're uh, working on getting that in a presentable order. And I have a couple of my uh, top guys, Chris and Seth, coming down who um, work, you know, they're electricians and construction. And they're going to help me redo some stuff and get everything to, everything is exactly functional as how how we need it. Awesome. We have to move the John, you know, I chose the worst place in the world to put the john when i put it down there <laughs> what next to the water heater or what <laughs> <laughs> okay so i chose the second worst place in the world but i have you know i have two johns and i have to uh you know put i'm gonna set up everything so it's nice and make sure i sure. have all the right equipment so i'm thinking i'm thinking one month from today i'm gonna actually start the uh group classes and uh it's going to be a blast. Awesome. So you, so basically you're looking around August or something, like beginning August. Or... Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah, beginning of Great. August. And uh, I may even have like a little party kind of thing. Awesome, awesome. We should have some dudes of Kung Fu uh, shirts ready for that. That would be totally awesome. Or like really your, 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 your martial arts school sponsored by the dudes of Kung Fu or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> like in the old days in UFC where they still had the sponsors before they got the Reebok deal, you know, you'll have like all the different, you know, the different logos and everything. And there'll be a dudes of Kung Fu logo on there as well. I'm oh man! Condom Depot, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, how cool would it be? Because you know, like Bellator still uh, allows their fighters to have uh, sponsors on their shorts or whatever. How cool would it be to have that logo of of our heads on some MMA fighters' fight shorts, and it says "Dudes of Kung Fu." That would be so badass. Let's make that happen, bro. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We have to find some like low-level journeyman fighter who's just itching for some sponsors, and Gee, and we'll say, all right. In Bellator, that's going to be hard to find. Yeah, we're gonna. All right, well, you're gonna to have to put our faces right on your ass, and it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be huge, huge, like Trump would say, huge. So, uh, yeah, awesome, man. Well, that's really great news. I'm really excited about you getting your your classes started. And uh, what's the best way for people to contact you? I, I guess you're also gonna have the website, but is there any other way? Yeah, you know, at the best at this point here, um, on Facebook, you can get me at. Uh, just you know, friend me, Sean Madigan, but um, just here's my phone number. It's nine one seven five zero nine nine zero zero eight. I'm located in Staten Island, New York, so I plan on controlling all of New York City when it comes to Jeet Kune Do, and <laughs> all of New York City except for Manhattan and Brooklyn when it comes to Wing Chun because Alex <laughs> has schools in Manhattan and Brooklyn. So <laughs> and and Queens, by the way, and also Queens. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to Wing Chun, I'm only going to control Staten Island. Yeah, you can have it. I don't think anybody has any ambition to open anything in Staten Island except you. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. You keep on talking about my island, man. I'm telling you. We had, like, those mafia chicks out here. We had, like, some, That's right. 
Uh, that's other than that, we've had nothing. But other than well, you know, well, we we talked about it on the last podcast, like how you know I I gave you a little bit of crap for Staten Island, but again, for for people who are not in the New York area, like I explained it a little bit on the last podcast, what a pain in the butt it is to get over to Staten Island. Like for me, I'm coming from Queens, I have to like I have to get like two or three Sherpas. I have to get like two or four, two to four rickshaw pullers. Uh, you have to, part of it, you have to go by zip line. The other part, you have to go by horseback. And then there's a ferry. And then you have to go through the trenches. There's like an obstacle course. And in five or six days, you, you can make it to Staten Island from Queens. And all of that was designed to keep people from Queens out. <laughs> like, it was the sole purpose. It's like <laughs> the, Ver the Verrazano Bridge, which is the bridge that comes to Staten Island, is a small plaque on it that says, keep toll high to keep trash from Queens out. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, them be fighting words, sir. Uh, Queens, is, Queens is actually very nice. I mean, when you think of Queens, you think of like Archie Bunker. You think about like people that wish they were from Brooklyn. Was, this, this <laughs> or co coming to America, you think of McDowell's and right. uh, <laughs> the Big Mick. <laughs> oh, God, that was a great movie. That was awesome. All right, so, brother, last week we talked about forms a little bit. The... Uh, we, you know, weren't specifically for Wing Chun forms, but I guess we mean any forms. This week, I kind of wanted to touch on form. You know, Bruce Lee has that uh, statement, like, you know, be formless. I don't think he meant without form, though, right? There's right. The difference right. between having, being formless and having no form. Right, right. I, I mean, I think the idea, uh, insofar as I understood, is being formless is being able to adapt to what your opponent is doing, which doesn't necessarily mean you have no form. It just means you're you're able to adapt to different styles, to different things that you're presented with. You're not stuck in one way of doing it. And I think some people have actually taken that be formless as almost a, ca a call to do whatever the hell you want. And I don't necessarily think, at least in my opinion, that that's really what Bruce Lee meant. I mean, what do you think about that? Oh, no, I, I, I absolutely not. I think, you know, I think Bruce Lee looked at everything from either a philosophical state viewpoint or a uh, an athletic perspective, depending on his audience, you know. And if yeah. we're going to look at things from an athletic perspective, I mean, form is another word for the combination of structure, balance, and timing. You know, yeah. to have proper form means to have the ability to move while maintaining your structure and your balance and having proper timing. It, it, right. it means you got to be smooth in action. Like, let's look at an athlete. Look at Tom Brady. I keep on. I mean, everybody's going to think I'm a freaking New England Patriots fan. I can't stand a New England Patriots. Sorry, Seth. But I have to admit, Tom Brady's the best thing that ever happened to quarterback. And he's, he's phenomenal. And it can, say, it can be said he has perfect form. And why does he have perfect form? Because he was coached by the best. Right. And he, he crafted his, his form under conditions of, you know, under real stressful conditions by under the conditions that if he didn't do it right, some 280-pound lineman was going to crush him into the dirt. So he had to have perfect form to survive. The form was the timing in his footwork, the timing with his receivers, you know, and his balance and his ability to move. You know, if you, if you look at baseball, if you watch a baseball game, I'm not a big baseball fan, so I mean, I probably only watched a half a dozen games in the last two years. You must hear a hundred times, oh, they brought this coach in to fix or play his swing. Oh, they, they, they brought in Coach Richter to work on, you know, this moron, this millionaire's swing. It means right. that he's out of balance or his timing's not right. They're not teaching him how to swing a bat. He knows how to swing a bat. They have to fix his form. And as right. martial artists, we have to 
fix our form. We have to make sure our, you know, you have to continuously test your form. Something that Steve Golden had me work on when he first met me, because I was a freaking mess when he first met me, was he would <laughs> have me stand in the, um, in our stance, the on guard, so whatever you're going to call the, the stance, the Baijong, the on guard stance. I always refer to it as an on guard. You don't call it the bent knee phasic stance, sir? You know what? In my notes, I actually used all that expression, mm-hmm. but because <laughs> it's actually the most accurate representation of what the quote-unquote stance is. Right. But um, since I think I have more of a fencing bent to my uh, JKD, I like to use the word on God, and also because it makes me sound intelligent. But <laughs> I, um, <laughs> Steve had me get in my on guard stance, and... And he fixed my structure. He had me move around a little bit and fix my structure. And then he did something cool. He had me just stand there and close my eyes and feel how I felt. I, like, feel the weight distribution. Feel how it feels on, your, on the ball of your foot and on the heel of your foot. and every, you know, Feel where your hands are in relation to your body. And then move around a little bit. Stop. Close your eyes. And, and fix to go back to how you felt before. And, and we would work on that with, with um, several different positions and movements and uh, a, a recovery after a punch. I would, I would throw, throw a lead and come back and then literally just stop, close my eyes, and correct how I felt as opposed to looking in a mirror, as opposed to just approximating. You know, no one, that's, that's, this is the reason for training. You're in training to, to fix your errors, you know? Sure, sure. So, and it's the time to think is in training. You can't think in the street. So right. you have to literally, you know, throw a kick, come back to your ungod, you, you, and, and, and close your eyes and say, okay, do I still feel balanced? Is my, are my hips out of place? Is, is my weight distribution where I want it to be? Uh, are my hands where they should be? You know, and, and literally break eventually once you get your starting and finish where they should be then you do the extension so it's like i got like a part was it whole part whole kind of situation where you you'll 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 do a a straight lead for lack of a better just thing do a straight lead and then you'll feel your balance and then you'll extend the straight lead you'll you'll literally stop your straight lead right halfway through boom fix your balance there where should you be balanced there Get everything right and then snap it back to where you should be. Stop. And it's almost like taking a picture of it with your mind. Sure. But it's more important than it's more it's more detailed than what a an actual picture you take with your iPhone would be. It's 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 an internal feeling. It's really yeah. feeling your balance. It's that to me, that is what it means to have proper form. Yeah, and I think that that's a great method of training it. And in, in fact, it's very similar to the kind of ideas I would give my own students. I think, uh, at least as far as Wing Chun goes, you know, because a lot of people, uh, their their first uh, exposure to Wing Chun is always that kind of very ballistic, you know, some dude stepping in with a bunch of chain punches and elbows and kind of obliterating the other guy. So people think if they just go in with a lot of really fast movement that they're doing Wing Chun well. But what happens is, if they don't take the time to actually make sure they're punching correctly, stepping correctly with timing, with balance at the right moment, um, they're just kind of going in, throwing a bunch of slop and hoping that they're going to win sheerly by overwhelming their opponent with, you know, by being faster or being stronger or whatever. Whereas if they actually took the time to make sure they were punching properly, uh, they would have a lot more success. It's like I always tell my students when they're trying to do things too fast, too soon. I say, you know, 
you can cover a lot of, you can try to cover all your sloppy movements with speed, but I see everything and the results never lie. You know, uh, like I always like to say, practice doesn't make perfect because you can spend a lot of time practicing nonsense and doing things poorly. I say perfect practice makes perfect. And this is what people need to think about in terms of making sure they got everything nailed down properly before they progressively build up the intensity and so on. And think about it. How many people do you know? I mean, in Wing Chun, this is a big problem, but I'm sure it's a problem in Jeet Kune Do as well. People learn something like, let's say in Jeet Kune Do, the straight lead, or in Wing Chun, the chain punches, and they're like, okay, I know that already. What's the next thing? You know what I mean? And they don't think that they actually need to go and like hone their punch or whatever. I mean, I've been doing Wing Chun for, for 20 years, and I still go in front of the mirror and you know look at the angles of my punch and hit the wall bag and try to tweak it and find like a better way to optimize it. And I've been doing this stuff for a long time. I look at... Uh, GSP, who was already one of the best welterweight champions in UFC history, he decided before his fight with Josh Koscheck to go to uh, to Freddie Roach, uh, right. Manny Pacquiao's coach, and have him you know improve his boxing. And and what did Freddie Roach focus on? He focused on the jab. And GSP even said, you know, he thought he had a pretty good jab before he met Freddie Roach, and Freddie Roach pretty much showed him that he knew nothing about the jab. Now, we're talking about GSP, somebody who had already, uh, at least at that time, had defended his belt multiple times in UFC in one of the hardest divisions, who arguably hadn't, and GSP had a great jab. He used it uh, great uh, against other fighters, and suddenly he's like the student learning how to jab again for the first time and this is somebody at a very high level but shows some guy in your class chain punches for five minutes and he's like all right i got this already and right. 20 30 years down the line he doesn't even think that he needs to do anything new and that's something that really pisses me off with with wing chun is that people think the exposure to a technique or having done it a couple times or whatever means that okay i got that show me the next thing or whatever you know and i just i i, I find that a very unmartial arts uh, martial artist attitude to to have, and and you don't see it in the other arts. For some reason, you see it in Wing Chun like crazy. Well, you know what you see it in JKD also, dude. I mean, you and I have both have worked with instructors. You know, we both meaning like um, guys come to you as a student who's an instructor in their own school. Right. And I know I've had, and I'm sure you've had guys come in, and so like my my. I want to say my forte in martial arts, my forte in Jeet Kune Do is what I always like, what I think is, is I, I think I have a unique perspective on strategy. I, I, I like to work strategy, distance, timing, rhythm, five ways to attack, because it's the core of what I learned from my instructor. And it's what I spent a bunch of time on. So there's guys that I, I've had people that are Sifus in Jeet Kune Do come here, really good guys. And, you know, even if it's just for a night to come work, work on a couple of things and I'll start going through the five ways of attack with them or, or something to do with breaking rhythm. And you can tell, you can tell immediately who's going to spend time with it and who's not. And the guy who's not going to spend time on it is the guy who looks at you and says, oh, do you mind if I go back and teach my students this? Yeah, of course, of course. And, and you say, teach them what? Yeah. You yeah, don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, no, you just showed it to me. Yeah, at my kitchen table, I just showed you a thing, an example of how to break rhythm. Right. You can't do it. You right. know what I mean? I mean, you want to go back and show your students something that you don't know? Hey, listen, you're, you're their teacher. You can do whatever the hell you want. Right. But to, to sit there and say, like, oh, you know, 
I, let, let, so let, let's use an example. Let's say, let's say Alex come make, makes the trip out to Staten Island. It takes him two weeks to get here. <laughs> if I'm lucky. <laughs> if, he's, if he's lucky and if I let him in and, and he sits there and says, okay, here, Sean, I know you want to learn more about the, um, the knives. And he takes me through the knife set as he reaches in his system. And I say, wow, this is great. I can't wait till tonight to show it to my students. Yeah. It would be moronic. You know absolutely. What I mean? Yeah. And yeah. why? Because even if I could absolutely memorize the set, I wouldn't have proper form. Because right. the proper form is a result of training. Sure. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have the proper balance. Even if I thought I did, I wouldn't have right. the proper balance. My timing would be all off. My structure right. would be a mess. I would have to internalize it. And I'm not talking about some mystical, in, you know, internal martial art nonsense. When I say internalize it, make it part of what you are. Integrate yeah, it into your game. Internalize in this sense really means your experience with it. You, you know the ins and outs of doing it because you've done it. Right, exactly right. You, you've, earned the, you've earned it because you've done it. You right. know? And that's what it means to me to have proper form. You know? Sure, sure. I, I've, had, I've had people come to my school, like, like uh, instructors of other styles, and, and they just come by because at City Wing Chun, we're, we're kind of central in midtown Manhattan. So when people come to visit from Europe or Asia or whatever, like even non-WT, non-Learning people, I have Wing Chun people from all over the world. They just want to come and you know, take a photo with me or be at the school or whatever. And, and I had one instructor, he's actually from the tri-state area, come into my school and you know he just stopped by because he was in the area and I was explaining something about the stance to one of my students and I you know showed how I actually don't need to root my stance in the floor the way a Tai Chi person does to stay stable so I, I put my arm out there and I let the student try to push me over and I'm just standing on one leg and he can't push me over and I said you know this is some you know I, I explained a couple of the little basic ideas or whatever and that guy actually said the same thing that what you just said he goes wow, that's really cool. Do you mind if I teach this to my students? Right. And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, I didn't teach this to you. You just saw it and there's no way in hell you're able to do it. You know, and, and again, these are usually the same people who can watch a YouTube video and uh, take a couple combinations and then that's their curriculum for that night or whatever. It's a very unserious attitude. Uh, even, even in my own training, for example, when I learned the long pole from, from Sifu Leung Ting, I trained the long pole like a maniac for four years before I even taught my first student because I was like, yeah, I learned this. I did it, but uh, I, I wasn't going to you know, go and learn the long pole and then come back and then you know, teach it to somebody right away because I needed experience. Yeah, and, and I went for four years after learning the long pole. I did you know, all the basic strength training exercises, the, the form. I did cheek one. I visited my other Kung Fu uncles in Hong Kong and, and here in the States and did private training with them on the cheek one and the application. And I just trained it like a maniac. I even, and this shows you my level of OCD, I even met with my friends from other Kung Fu styles who do other weapons. And I wanted to see how they fought with the pole, how they fought with spear and, and, pra and I actually practice against them. I said, okay, so if I do this, you know, you as a Hungar guy, what would your reaction be? And then they would show me this. And then I figured out, okay, so if they did that, I had to do this. So I, I actually went and practiced it against 
live against other Kung Fu experts who are way better with their weapons than I was before I even dared teach my first student. And I think most Wing Chun people would look at it or, or so-called Wing Chun people would watch someone's long pole form on YouTube and they'd be teaching it the next day already, you know? And, and I just, I, I just, can't, I can't imagine that, man. I can't well, imagine so it, that. It, it takes, it takes a while to, like I say, internalize something, learn how to apply it properly. This brings me back to my first seminar ever with Steve Goldman was, uh, I'm going to guess, 90, in the early 90s. And I had rented a public school here in New York City and brought Steve in. And on the wall of the school, we had the gym. And on the wall of the gym, there was this cool little saying. It said, knowledge is power. And everybody asked Steve to stand in front of this knowledge is power sign and take a picture with him. And Steve did. He's, you know, he's a nice guy, and he gets up, and he's, you know, he takes a picture with all these people. And I said to myself, oh, that's cool. Knowledge is power. And he goes, yeah, it's wonderful, except it's wrong. <laughs> and I said, I had never, like, I says, it's, it's wrong? I, it's on the wall of the fucking school. Like, you know. Right. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, how is knowledge not power? And he looked at me, he goes, applied knowledge is power. That's right. And I had never heard that before. He says, just because you know how to do, like, because you think you know something, unless you know how to apply it, you don't. Right. And that took us back to our five ways of attack um, discussion where, you know, I knew, <clears throat> I knew the five ways of attack in that I could list them. I right. knew the five ways of attack in that I could give a bullshit explanation about them. Sure. But I did not know the five ways of attack in... And in the fact, and where I can apply it, and too many people will literally read the five ways of attack on the page of a of a book, and think, oh, well, I know this now. I can just teach this. They haven't learned how to apply it, right. and and I can tell you that how to apply it has nothing to do with anything you're ever going to read in a book. Because trust me, I have all the same books. And sure, well, so yeah, it's the difference between academic knowledge and applied knowledge. I mean, you can even talk to any any uh, a med student, you know, and they're in there and they have to learn all this medical stuff and memorize all this stuff here. And they say, yeah, you know, you need to do that to, to become a doctor, but you actually don't learn anything until you start interning and you actually start working in right. a hospital or doing Absolutely. something like that. And I learned far more about Wing Chun. I mean, when I started teaching Wing Chun, I was already a qualified instructor, obviously, but I've learned so much more about Wing Chun since teaching it than I ever would had I even spent five, 10 more years just learning it from somebody. Um, because you have to actually apply when a student goes, well, seafood, does that really work if I do this? And you have to say, okay, come on, go ahead and try it. And that's where you actually show them, you know, that right. it works. And suddenly you can't just be, um, giving it lip service. You, you, ha you have to step it up and, and, and there's a world of difference between applied knowledge and academic knowledge, uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and by the way, I should uh, clarify one thing. When I said that I have all, all the books, I, I meant all of them except for Alex's, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, here we go. And now it no, begins, no. ladies and gentlemen. I the just, episode has not begun until I get shit for him not having my book yet. <laughs> I, no, I just, I don't want people, I don't want to mislead people. We have people that tune into this podcast that care about, you know, where we're coming from. And when I say that, you're not going to find this information in any book. I'm making people make people make the presumption that I've read your book. Like one of my <laughs> best friends in the martial arts has a book. 
<laughs> and you know, I mean, I couldn't tell you. It's like you know. Anyway, uh-huh. I, I just don't. Hey, want uh, to... also speaking of my book, uh, <laughs> I just want to say a big thank you to Seafood David Peterson, a mutual friend of ours, who just wrote a really fantastic review for my book. Uh, and he sent it to me by email, and I was blown away uh, uh, because he's somebody I've been looking up to for so many years in, in the Wing Chun world, and, and to have him write uh, such an amazing review of my book uh, was really, really fantastic. And yes, I suppose that means that somebody who lives in Malaysia got the book before <laughs> somebody who lives in Staten Island. But you see, Sean, it's easier to send a book to Malaysia than it is to send a book to Staten Island, by the way. I think it would take at least a year to get it out there by, by the regular post so uh you know to be fair it's easier to get to malaysia than staten island so and you know what you feel free to go there brother <laughs> <laughs> awesome cool oh cool, my cool. goodness god is gracious but uh yeah it's you know david peterson is uh that's that's incredible that you have a uh him reviewing your book a little bit there i mean he's he's class act and he's 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 my uh I, I geek out about David Peterson. It's, I don't want to talk too much about it because then he'll bring that restraining order up against me. But, <laughs> but I, you know, we all have our uh, personal like heroes. Yours, it's the Toad, I guess. But for me, the it's, Toad. <laughs> for me, it's David Peterson. I've been reading this man's writings for so long. It's just you know, I have. I like, I like how you say like, well, I I'm a total fan of David Peterson, who is this like fantastic Steven. And I guess I guess you're a fan of the Toad or something <laughs> like that. I like I like these little oh, you digs. Picked, you're you st- picked up on that, huh? You're still so burned from the Staten Island book thing. I I think this is, yeah. And you know what? And for our audience out there. When I when you finally get that book, which I it feels actually not going to be that much longer, <laughs> you're going to have to find something else to bust me on, and I don't, uh, and I'm pretty sure you will because that definitely seems part of our dynamic lately. That yeah, you, ha- you have to have something on me, you know. Well, let's put it this way: I have a list here of all the things I have on Alex. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to just keep it in a steno book, uh-huh. but, but then there's so many pages to this book that I you know. Yeah, I yeah. will. I will find something. It's it's uh, part of my personality. I'm just a, I'm just a jerk. <laughs> uh, uh, and, I, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. What I was gonna say was a little silly, but um, quick story popped into my head from the first Steve Golden seminar. There was two things I'll just I'll never forget. Um, after, after the seminar, people like ask Steve if they can ask some questions, and I'll never forget like. This one guy asked, what was Bruce Lee's favorite soda? Oh, my God. And I remember, like, Steve, like, like this, like, look coming over his face, like, what? <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> and I swear to God. And the guy, and then they, they asked, they said something to the effect of, like, in the movie, whatever. I couldn't even tell you which movie. In, in the movie, such and such, when Bruce Lee did this, you know, I thought your hips should be in a different way. And I remember Steve looking at the guy saying, I haven't seen the movie in 35 years. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because students, they often pick up on all this kind of like minutia and they assume that everything the instructor does is 100% deliberate, 100% thought out, and there has to be a grand scheme behind it and that we remember everything we've ever done ever. I mean, I have students come up to me 
and tell me like, you know, I once visited your school in 2003 and you said blah, blah, blah. And I'll just look at them like, first of all, I'm not even sure I said that, but it's like they, they will they will latch on to certain things and this will be what they think about for 12 years. And this is like you maybe haven't even thought of it for for longer than that. But, you know, people obsess about crazy things, man. Well, Bruce Lee expressions have become the, uh, the, the what's, what's the expression? Kin, kin, kit? Kin, kit, kin, kin. Kyun-kit. So you have in Wing Chun, you have the maxim of the maxims of Wing Chun, right? The Kyun Kit. Bruce Lee expressions have become the Kyun Kit of uh, of Jeet Kune Do. So I remember again in that first visit with Steve. <laughs> this and if you don't know who Steve Golden is, he trained in the uh, L.A. Chinatown School. He's my Sifu in Jeet Kune Do. He's an amazing person. He's incredibly nice, but he's also incredibly sarcastic and funny. And one of the first questions, I remember we get in the car and I'm, I pick him up at the airport and I'm driving back to the hotel and I'm trying to think like, I had like all these things to talk to him about, you know, picture you're meeting one of your heroes, you know, you want to, you know, like, you know, meet Steve Golden, Alex, I told it. And, um, <laughs> I, I, so we're driving back to the hotel and I said, uh, Steve, I said, this is a gospel true story. I said, Steve, when Bruce Lee said, be like water. You know, what did he mean? What was the, like, the real meaning to that? And he looked me right in the face and said, Sean, Bruce Lee always referred to himself in the first person, and he was thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> and imagine if it was that, how disappointed people would be. It's like, all these water references, he was just extremely dehydrated. You know that, right? <laughs> The Hong Kong heat and everything, right? How awesome was that? <laughs> but speaking of the uh, kunkut, I'm going to just say that wrong. So just accept the fact that I don't know how to say that. Oh, we've accepted that a long time ago, Sean. No need for apologies. Come on. Listen, Alex Riche. <laughs> Riche, Reichter, Richter. <laughs> yeah. I, um, Alex and I were thinking about um, making a f- fairly regular or semi-regular part of our podcast going over some of the maxims of Wing Chun. And what, what they, what they, oh, I said Wing Chun, listen to that. Huh? How Brooklyn is that? Wing Chunga. Wing Chunga. But uh, <laughs> listen, it is what it is, I'm a schmuck. Um, we thought like if we can give our own perspectives on it without speaking to each other on it. That's, that's the key. I think that's one of the keys to this podcast is that neither one of us really have any idea what the other one's gonna say. And um, and we get to make fun of each other over it, you know? Yeah, that's the dynamic right there. So we, we, we thought about which which of the uh, Wing Chun maxims or proverbs we're going to go with. And since I have this on my T-shirt, on my, on my school shirt, I have, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say it first and then Alex will correct me. Not that he's obnoxious. Kyun Yao Samphat. Now you go. Did you say Kyun? <laughs> <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> so the first character, kun, kun, kun meaning fist, all right? Yao, yao meaning from, all right? Sam, sam means heart. It's not sam. Sam is number three, sam. So it should be sam. Kun yao, sam, 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 sam. And then the last one is fat, F-A-A-T, fat, kun yao, sam, fat. Oh, okay. So yeah. actually, I want to correct my notes because I'll be honest with you. I have the... 
what's romanization of it yeah but the romanization you have is s-a-a-m it should actually be s single a so in in cantonese you have a single a and double a sound so a single a would be like some and a double a would be some and that would be for example the difference between the word heart and the number three oh that's 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 actually super interesting i uh I, I I never you know I I obviously don't know how to say half the English words, let alone the Chinese words. So yeah, well I'm I'm in the same way there. We we don't we don't speak English. We speak American. We speak American. Worse than American, we speak New York. Yeah, New York American, which is well I just I just say American, which that's something totally else. We're not going to get into that. Um, yeah, yeah, the New York English is uh, something very special. You know, it's one of the beauty, one of the beauties of living in New York is almost anything you need to say can be said with middle finger. So, so you don't, and, you don't and, and usually is. And usually is right. But um, so, kun kun yao some fat. That's about as best we're gonna get out of it. Not bad. How how I how I learned it and how I learned about all the kun kut is that in in each of them or in most of them that there's hidden meanings in them that or at least that there's multiple meanings for them. There's not that there's any secrets that there's just, that there could be multiple meanings for for one maxim and that the maxims themselves weren't these super secret or super ultra important um, laws of wind chun that they're more like in, in America you may say like you know a stitch in time saves nine yeah. it's just it's a way of like remembering something a way of yeah, use, useful tips almost Exactly right, and so how I was taught, and what I learned—I should say what I learned instead of what I was taught—was that there's usually three interpretations of each of the uh, of each of the maxims: a, a literal, a uh, a mental, and a spiritual application. And when we look at uh, samfat, somfat, very good, versus kunfat, which is like the way of the heart versus the way of the fist. So, kun yao, samfat, which means, at least again, Alex, this is what I know what to mean, the punch comes from the heart. Mm-hmm. But could mean anything, like system from the heart. If you look at that, like the idea of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual, the physical, the, or, the, or the kun fat aspect of it, would be like, say, center line. The punch literally, literally comes from the heart. So if you right. look at the first form, at least how we do it in my, my family, is that your fist would come to center and go out from center. It's a physical representation of that, of that maxim. The punch comes from the heart. Your hand comes to your center of your chest and goes straight out. If you look at the mental aspect of the same maxim, the punch comes from the heart, it means that the system that you're doing, Wing Chun, must be the center of your life that that's Kung Fu life to you. That everything you do revolves around Kung Fu. And I'm not gonna say I agree with that, but it kind of comes into play. Like, you know, most of my friends do Kung Fu. Um, Let's see, if I was gonna come up with a podcast, I'd find some knucklehead that I do Kung Fu with and chat Kung Fu with to do a podcast with. Kung Fu actually becomes the center of your life, you know? And then we have the spiritual, I hate that word, but it just, I don't know another word for it. And that, that, that's my word. I put down spiritual on my notes. I'm not exactly sure what it should be because I don't actually listen when my Stifu talks. 
<laughs> you wouldn't be the first, don't worry. <laughs> the spiritual interpretation of that, uh, of that, of that maxim would be that, like, if I'm going to hit a person, it actually it has to come from my heart, you know. And I look at the foundations of what I do, the kunfat and the samfat, like the foundation of kunfat. The way of the fist, you know, Sunim Dao, Chamkyu, Buji, you know, Moi Fai Zhang. This is the foundation of the physical foundations of Kunfa. And if you look at Samfa, like the foundations for Samfa would be, you know, compassion, love, forgiveness, honesty, respect, peace. It teaches you a way of living your life that uh, leads to happiness as opposed to you know, dealing with life with the fist, you know. Um, one of my Kung Fu cousins, who's a great guy, Aaron, Aaron, he runs a uh, Moyat Wing Chung School down in uh, Moy Tung Wing Chung School in, in Texas. I was talking to him about it a long time ago, and he wrote me something that was just so awesome. Like the maxim, there's a maxim in, in, in Moyat Wing Chung, I guess in almost all the families, that says, uh, when you should hit, hit. When you shouldn't hit, don't. Don't when you can't. Don't hit when you mustn't. And he said, Sean, take out the word hit. Because it's a placeholder. If you take out the word hit and just like insert in the word love instead. And the same exact maxim now is when you should love, love. When you shouldn't love, don't. Don't love when you can't and don't love when you mustn't. It's just taking that one... That one maxim, taking out a word and using that word as the placeholder to put in something else, to put in a samfat word. And it shows you a completely different way of looking at, uh, at, at that maxim, you know. I, um, I, I look at kunfat, I'm saying that wrong, kunfat prepares you uh, for a violent in- interaction, a, a violent altercation between two people but like I was literally talking to my wife about this this morning when I was kind of preparing my notes I noticed one guy he's a he's a putz and he well yes he's and he's a bully he's like six foot two 285 pounds and he acts like a tough guy and 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 he he lives his life by intimidating people and we're no longer friends and the reason we're no longer friends is not that I'm any kind of tough guy, but because I have kunfat, because I have kung fu, because I have a way of moving my fist that can hurt another person, it gives me confidence to not put up with his nonsense. And so whereas, say someone who didn't do any training was intimidated by this putz, they would like get, acquiesce to him out of cowardness. They would acquiesce to him out of fear. And I can, acquie- I can give in to his moronic things and not have a confrontation with him, not out of fear, not out of cowardness, simply because I don't want to go down to his level in life. And that's a samfat lesson that's derived only because I have kunfa. That in my opinion, you can't truly have samfat. You can't have the way of the heart without understanding the way of the fist. And I think that that, you know, just to bring a little Bruce Lee slant into it, that that is the, really the art of fighting without fighting. That, you know, if you look at that scene in Enter the Dragon, when that schmuck 
was uh, trying to show off to Bruce Lee on the boat, trying to bait him into a little bit of a fight. What's your style? Right, it's exactly right. You know, Bruce Lee was able to walk away from that fight because he knew he can kick the shit out of the guy. If he didn't know, he would have, A, felt like he had to fight him and lose, or beg to please don't hurt me. And Bruce Lee in the, Bruce Lee's character in that film didn't have to do either because the character was coming from a position of Kyun Fat Sam Fat that he had of the way of the fist and the way of the heart. And that's my take on the whole expression. It's, uh, and again, Alex may have a completely different take and it'll probably be better than mine, but that's where, no. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's where I'm coming from on it. No, I mean, uh, I think you nailed it on the head right there. There's actually not a whole lot more to say about it. Um, what I always appreciated about um, Sifu Moyat's line is because he had um, taken the, those uh, those Wing Chun maxims and he, he basically created those in, those engravings on the on on the chops for uh, Grandmaster Yip Man as a gift. And I always found that because Sifu Moyat kind of looked at everything from the, the scholarly perspective as well which is missing in a lot of various Wing Chun schools. Um, I like the fact that he, he kind of emphasized that and, and made sure, at least insofar as I've seen, that his students, his instructors also understand that as well because you can do Wing Chun purely as a physical system or, or you can, uh, it can become a vehicle for self-actualization to improve you as a human being and improve your interactions with people uh, in ways that have nothing to do with fighting. And uh, I, I like that distinction between between Kuyun Fat and Sum Fat. And I think that that's, that's really fantastic. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, there's actually not a whole lot more to say about it. Um, you're absolutely right with the kind of, most of the Wing Chun maxims have uh, a three-tiered meaning. Now, some of them are a little bit more simple and, and not as intrinsic. And some of them are, are far deeper. You know, some of them are kind of like, uh, and again, there's nothing mystical about it. You were totally right when you said that, because think about it, if you went to a boxing gym and, you know, you would hear like some boxing coach, some salty old boxing coach saying like, you know, you got to attack the body to open up the head. You know, right, now exactly right, yeah. you take something like that and translate it into Chinese and put it on a chop and put it on the wall. And suddenly it becomes this monolithic Asian secret because it's in Chinese. And wait, that was holy what, shit. That's going to be product number one for the dudes of Kung Fu paraphernalia. <laughs> and and that, that was a huge reason why I decided to learn Chinese, because I wanted to understand uh, not what a Chinese person told me the thing meant, but I wanted to know. I knew what each of those characters meant and I could read it myself and I could I could judge the interpretations that the Chinese were giving me as either being valid or complete or incomplete because another problem with learning a martial art like Wing Chun is you're not only limited by the fact that some Chinese sifus straight up don't want to teach you in a complete way. I mean, this is always a problem in, in general. But the other problem is they're also limited by their English. I mean, when you're uh, just think about everything you just said, explaining uh, one maxim like "kunya" or "some fat." Now, have you ever heard? Um, you know, maybe with the exception of uh, Li Moistan, who can speak English, of course. Have you ever heard uh, Chinese in instruction uh, instructor kind of? explain it in that level of detail no way because they're in, and it's not that they can't or that they don't understand it they their english is just lacking so they're really not able to do it so uh, that's that's also a problem so that's one of the reasons why i decided to learn uh chinese for myself 
Kunyao uh, Samphat, uh, again, it definitely has a three-tiered meaning on them. The most physical is that the fist comes from the center, which is a strong departure from many of the other uh, southern martial arts because you, you had uh, mottos, for example, like uh, which is to sink the elbow and keep the hands level with the shoulders, which also meant a lot of those traditional styles had their hands in front of the shoulders. You know, Samphat has a very physical, very practical meaning, right? But then, of course, when you look at it deeper, uh, when you fight, you fight with your heart, you give it your all, and not to mention all the other things that you had mentioned as well. By the way, do you know what kun fought fist method is in Japanese? Um, no. It's kempo. Oh wow. Yeah. So the, the you know because the original uh, kempo method was it's it's actually Chinese kung fu and the uh, the Shaolin temple in or Shaolin in Cantonese is Siulam, and and temple is Qi and fist method is Kun Fat. So if you said Siulam uh, Qi Kun Fat, you said the the fist method from the Shaolin temple, and Siulam Qi Kun Fat in Japanese is Shorinji Kempo. And that's oh, actually wow. where that comes from. So Shaolin is Shorin in Japanese. So so fist method or kun fat is is a word that everyone knows. Everyone's heard kempo before, and that's actually what what the characters are in Japanese. Fist method. That's incredible, dude. I yeah. never heard that. Awesome. And you know the the interesting thing you said about. Uh, it being a formula where you could take out the word fist and put in the word love instead. You know, there are a number of Wing Chun maxims that are like that. And one of the most famous is Kun Siu Kun, which is fist defends fist, meaning someone fires a punch at you and you can also use your, your, your own punch to, um, to deflect it. So you're using the punch as a defense as well. And this is called Kun Siu Kun, which fist defends fist. But you could also plug in other things in there as well. Uh, you know, that the palm defense palm um, or, uh, for example, uh, when we talk about chi sao, we have a lot of very similar ideas of the same thing, nullifying the same thing, pak defense, pak, you know, all these kind of things. So e even on the more technical, more uh, mundane uh, maxims, which are kind of more about the technical end of things, you, you can all things as well. But the formula always remains true. And unfortunately, I think people don't don't look into these things a little bit deeper if they even give a crap about the maxims to begin with. Uh, I mean, I think our whole conversation here is kind of beyond what a lot of Wing Chun people are looking for when they're just like, well, just show me a cool technique or show me a cool combination. And, and, and they don't realize that um, that has nothing to do with Wing Chun at all, you know? Right, right, right. I, you know, I always like that end of it. I like... I... Uh... I just I like the deeper meanings of things, and especially when it comes to the Wing Chun, which I love so much. I want to learn everything I could possibly learn about it, and uh, to me, this is a an important part of learning Wing Chun. You yeah, know, it's, definitely. It's, it's understanding the maxims. Yeah, I mean, I already know how to punch shit. It's okay. You know? <laughs> it's just the truth. And like I said, I'm I'm, I'm a 51 year old fat man. I'm not gonna get into that many fights. It's just not that important to me. Yes, right. if I had to, I want to be able to do like the best I can. But it's just not a major part of my life. So I love Wing Chun, and I love Wing Chun for several reasons. One of the reasons is that it's a practical system of self-defense. But that's not the primary reason. The primary reason I do it is because I just simply love it. And when you yep. simply love something, you want to know and do everything you could possibly do to get better at it, to understand it even better. Right. And um, to me, that's where the maxims come into, you know, 
the importance of the maxims are is in understanding everything I can understand about that. Uh, and the other thing I love in life is losing freaking weight. Awesome. We're losing freaking weight left and freaking right. And how, how have you been doing? What's your, uh, uh, what's your, 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 your feeling now? I mean, how much, how much better do you feel now than before you started this? Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I feel like a different person. Um, I, 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 I'm loving myself a lot more than I ever did before. And I'm feeling like, uh, I'm feeling for the first time that this is something I can do. Right. That for the longest time, I didn't kind of, I kind of didn't believe I could do this. It was kind of like, yeah, that would be nice. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it almost in terms of the lottery. Oh, you know, it would be really nice to hit the lottery. Or it would be really nice to lose just tremendous amount of weight. But, yeah, it's not going to fucking happen, you know. And now I'm starting to believe that this is something I'm doing. So, like... I stopped even saying that, oh, this is something I want to do, or this is something I'm trying to do, or this is something that, you know, I hope to get done. I, I, and I, for me, the mental aspect of losing weight is so important that I've changed the internal dialogue in my head to this is something I am doing. I try and make it as positive and as ongoing and as... I'm trying to think of the right word for it. I didn't. It's 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 putting into the present sense that it's happening, as opposed to I hope for it to happen one day. Like when I would like when I when I chat with my wife, and I I don't say to her anymore, like oh if I ever lose lose this weight I want to do this, or if I ever lose this weight I like to go back and do some submission grappling. I say when I lose weight, I'm going to do this. Or sometimes I'll even get a little more specific. By this time next year, I will be at a weight that I can go up the 16 flights to Alex's school and kick his ass. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, I, 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 I give myself a time frame that I'm going to get stuff done in now. I don't sure. have these esoteric goals it's not like yeah. oh if kinda, i kind of would be nice but you know right you know real goals are achievable and real goals have a time frame for you to get it and 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 a way of measuring it so i don't sit there and say when i get in shape i'm i i want to be able to do something no i say you know a year from now i'm going to be down another hundred pounds and i am going to do this right i have an achievable goal I have a way of measuring it, and I have a time frame. Like, I'm, when I'm down 100 pounds by next June, I am going to do, I am going to enter my first submission grappling tournament. Like, I have things that we all want to do in life. You, you, you have things, I have things. You know, I, one of the things I want to do that I've never done, I have no right on God's green earth to even say that I want to do this, but in the back of my head, for the last 15 years, it's been a, Man, wouldn't it be cool too? And for me, it's doing a sprint triathlon. Wow. I have this dream, and I don't care if I'm 60 doing my first one. I have this dream to do, and they call it a sprint triathlon. It's a short triathlon. And they have one here on Staten Island every year. And it's like a half-mile swim, five-mile bike ride, and I think it's like a 5K run at the end. I want that like I want oxygen. Wow. And 
I, I need that like I need oxygen. And it's something I am going to do. And I know I am going to do it. And I'm going to do it by the end of next summer. Cool. It's going to happen, you know. And um, we want to, Alex and I want to talk about this whole, you know, getting fit, losing weight thing. And we, what's so unique about Alex and I's um, perspective is we're coming at it from two, two opposite almost perspectives and both very valid, you know. Uh, me, I'm tremendous amount of weight that I have to lose just to get into functional shape. And Alex, who, you know, is in phenomenal shape so much so that I hate him. <laughs> now they know why I always get these digs from you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, let's, let's get something straight here. Why, why do I hate Alex? I hate Alex for one reason and one reason alone. He has like 1% body fat. Nonsense. Okay? Nonsense. <laughs> Everything else about Alex is... He's an awesome guy. He's got a fantastic wife. He's got two incredible, beautiful daughters. And all this stuff, I'm so happy for him. But then he posts another effing picture of him without a shirt on, and I see his 1% body fat, and I want to <laughs> kick him in the nutsack. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, uh, um, to be fair, uh, it, it, that doesn't come easy to me because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I'm, I'm not in my early 20s. My metabolism isn't what it used to be. And I, if, if you look at photos of me on my Facebook, like uh, if, if you look in older albums or whatever, you'll see that over the last five years, my weight's actually fluctuated quite a bit. Uh, I mean, relative to, to my size. And, and the big reason was is uh, I've had almost five surgeries in as many years. And it's, it's not like I'm a professional fighter and I'm putting my body through the ringer, but I've been doing martial arts since I was eight years old. I've been doing martial arts for 30 years and I like to train hard and I like to train with all sorts of different types of people. And yeah, there's certain things that kind of take their toll. I had two hernia surgeries. And if you've ever, if you know anything about a hernia surgery, I mean, the recovery is pretty brutal and you can't do anything. And I, I ballooned up uh, my, my normal kind of wa walking weight, it's, it's about 165 pounds if I don't do anything. And I was 195 pounds after my first hernia surgery. Wow. Uh, yeah, so, you know, relative to where, I mean, that was 30 pounds I gained. And you can see some photos of me, you know, with like kind of was like very chubby round face. And, and, and I was like really depressed because um, it wasn't like I couldn't, I literally could not do anything about it because I, I could not train because I had to wait for the hernia to heal. Finally, the hernia healed. And I start, I put myself in back in training and I start losing all this weight and I got another damn hernia and I wow. had to get the surgery again. And I went through the same thing, although the second time I was like, I'm not going to let this happen. So I, I kept my weight down on the second recovery through diet, although that was really difficult. Because when you're just doing it through diet with no exercise and I can't move, you don't feel great about yourself when you're not able to move. Um, but I just kind of stuck it through and, and, and forced myself to keep the, the weight a little bit better. I still gained almost 20 pounds the second time. Uh, and then I put that off. And then I had two damn – I had double um, – a plantar fasciitis I had like a heel spurs on both of my feet oh, and I had God. to have those that was two years ago and I had to have the and I couldn't be on my feet for like five weeks and then th that took a little bit and then in November I just had a rotator cuff repair and I haven't been able to train until two months ago 
And so what you see now when you look at me with my shirt off is the fact that I have been going on a crazy training blitz because finally for the first time in so many years, I can actually train consistently and I got a Concept2 rower, which is like amazing piece of machinery. And I, I train five days a week. And as a matter of fact, when I get off of our uh, podcast today, I'm going upstairs and I'm going to, you know, do bag work and do um, rowing and, and, and do long pole and, and do all my regular training. And, and I love it because it's actually the first time in a while where I can do it. And the fact that I couldn't train for so many years consistently because of the uh, um, because of the uh, surgeries or whatever is uh, sorry uh, the concept row sounds really interesting i'm i'm uh... yeah the con the concept row the concept row is absolutely amazing and that thing has shredded my entire body and and what's great about it, it's low impact so it's not like running or whatever where you kind of get that stuff on your joints um you can go full power like a maniac and and really shred body fat my entire body composition has changed and i lost 15 pounds just in six weeks on the rower and uh now i'm actually gaining a little bit of weight because it's all converting to muscle it's, right. it's totally crazy so uh yeah the concept yeah. two rower is really a um, really fantastic piece of machinery conor mcgregor is using it now by the way wow that's cool yeah i uh you know the whole weight gain with the um with the muscle gain is it's something I faced a little bit also. I, at one point, kind of flattened out losing weight a little bit, and it was really upsetting me. And I'm, I have, a, I have a, a personal trainer that I work with twice a week, and he, you know, sat me down. I was like, Sean, you're lifting weights, a lot of weight, heavy weight, four to five days a week now. Yeah. You know, that for a while, it's going to take a little while before we can, you know, see the scale start to move again, and it eventually did, but... It was it was scary for a little while with the the I, I didn't gain weight due to muscle due to gaining muscle, but it definitely slowed down losing weight a little bit. Sure, 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 sure. And and like you said, it's important to have goals. Like for example, uh, I'm I'm training now specifically because like uh, I I want to be able to do I have certain benchmarks for my heavy bag training. I want to be able to go X number of rounds at this much power or whatever. So when I have a goal to it, it's much easier to do the fitness stuff if it's aligned with a goal that you really want, as opposed to it just being like, I just want to get in better shape or I just want to lose weight. It's like when you tell yourself like you did with your triathlon or I say like, okay, like in three weeks, I want to be able to hit the bag for 15 rounds at three minutes. Uh, and I want to be just as strong in round 12 as I was in round one. Um, then suddenly I have a metric that I can track and it becomes this thing you become motivated for. And I think That's most people just- just ambiguously want to lose weight and without the, a proper goal and not just a number like a performance goal like i want to be able to do x that's going to make all the difference in the world and and it even i didn't even learn that lesson until recently so uh you know i think it's a really powerful way to look at fitness is to give yourself benchmarks and give yourself goals that you actually want to accomplish and and forget like the number on the scale or whatever and 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 you know give yourself that you're actually going to be motivated to follow through on you know yeah, for a guy like me, from you know, especially coming from my size. And by the way, I want to throw this out here. I didn't plan on saying this on on air, but I want to put it out there now. If any of you out there are looking to lose weight, and I'm talking, you know, for you, if any of you out there think you want to need feel like you need to lose weight, a lot of weight, and feel like you've been given up, contact me. Let me help you. 
Let me prove to you that you can do this. And I don't care if your mobility is incredibly limited. Alex knows me at my worst. Um, Alex recently came here, well, recently, a few months ago, maybe six months ago. Yeah. With his wife and his uh, baby girls. It was like my physical low point in my life. And um, and that's just where you want to be when you're at your physical low point with a fucking stud standing next to you. But anyway, um, you know, and like I was at a point in my life where I literally would get winded walking from my couch to my kitchen. Like it was the low point of physical exercise in my life. And and now I I go 40 minutes full blast cardio and I'm still a fat bastard. But I'm smaller, and my my I'm living a better life. I can now walk from my car at my job all the way to my desk without stopping, feeling like I have to throw up. You can change your life, and if you think you can't, you're wrong. Contact me. I will talk to you about this, and I won't just give you platitudes. And I will help you plan out how you could change your life if you truly want to do it. If you truly want to do it, let's get it done. I will talk you through it. I will tell you exactly what I do. And and I trust me, this shit works. I am losing weight left and right. I am getting in better shape every day. And yeah, I can definitely see it. And I see you every week and I can see your improvement. You know, normally when you see somebody all the time, you don't necessarily see that they're losing weight. But man, I see you uh, at the very least every week when we do this podcast and, and you look better and better every week. It's incredible. Well, thank you, and stop hitting on me on the air. Um, <laughs> I want to go through a little bit, though, of what, if you don't mind, Alex, I want to go through a little bit of what I'm doing sure. as far as uh, how I'm losing weight. Um, the single, as far as exercise go, I want you to Google or go to YouTube and type in Tabata Protocol. T-A-B-A-T-A, Tabata Protocol. It has been life-changing for me. You do not have to work out for an hour at hard cardio to, to lose weight and get in shape. Tabata protocol is a form of high-intensity interval training. It's what my trainer does with me. And I'm gonna, a, quick, a quick idea of what it is is this. You take an exercise, and you're going to do 20 seconds of the exercise as hard and as fast as possibly as you possibly can while still saying you know safe and then you're gonna rest for 10 seconds and that's one round and you're gonna do that for eight rounds so let's just say you have a an aerobic step and you put the aerobic step on the floor and you're gonna go as hard and as fast as you can up and down that step for 20 seconds think about that for 20 seconds it's nothing, but it feels like an eternity when you're doing it. Yeah. So for 20 seconds, you're going to go up and down, and it's the speed that you do it is, is determined by you. You have to really want this because you have to push yourself because only you know if you're going 100%. And when I tell you 100%, you have to do it 100%. Up and down on that step for 20 seconds, and then you rest for 10 seconds, which will be the shortest 10 seconds of your life. And then again, so the, the 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off is one round. You do eight rounds. I do 
four exercises for eight rounds. And usually by like the fourth or fifth round, I feel like I'm going to die. And you can pick anything. So like when I first started out, I would do like the aerobics. The, the, the first exercise was the aerobic step, up and down the aerobic step. Second exercise was I had my son hold uh, focus mitts for me. And I would just punch the focus mitts hard and as fast as I can for 20 seconds. And then I took uh, two light dumbbells and just did upright rows as my third exercise. You know, and the fourth exercise, I did curls. It's just, it's just to get yourself moving. And eventually you're going to do harder and harder and harder exercises, squats. And if you, do the, if you follow this Tabata protocol, you don't have to do crazy hard shit. Do what you can do. Literally, and you don't need a whole bunch of fancy exercise. You don't need to go into a gym to do Tabata. You can do Tabata anywhere. Anywhere. Right, you can even get free apps for the phones with the timers built in where you can set it. And so you don't even need to get any fancy timers. Like a, a boxing timer back in the day was really expensive. Now you just get these things for free on your phone. So it's even easier now. It will, I was doing this exercise and I was, when I first started doing the Tabata, before I started doing Tabata, I was doing cardio with my wife. And the cardio with my wife is my wife set up this like, um, old school aerobics program for me because it was what I can do just for the timing of it was very slow. And I'm telling you, I could not do five minutes on this thing. At five minutes, I had to sit down and like, I was dead. I was like dead. And we do five minutes before work and five minutes after work. And, and that was my workout for the day. I started doing the Tabata and my wife was saying, said to me one day, well, let's do the cardio. Let's see, you know, how well, and I'm like, well, war. I'm like, it's going to be the same thing because my cardio didn't get any better. I'm still only doing 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. Well, now I do 40 minutes of cardio. Wow. And I can go 40 minutes. And when I'm done, yeah, I feel like I had a workout, but I'm not dead. Right. This will change your life. Anyway, think, think about it. I want to help you set up... I'll help anybody that really, truly wants to lose weight. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a certified public trainer. I'm a fat guy who's losing weight and has some ideas. You know, and, but if you want help, I don't want anybody giving up. I don't want anybody feeling like they can't do it because I know how much that sucks because that's how I felt for the longest time. You know, and the pain of being obese is so much worse than the pain that comes from working out. Yes, your knees will hurt, and your feet will hurt, and your shoulders will hurt, but none of that will hurt as much as being obese hurts. Choose your pain. Choose your hurt. What's, what's worse? What's worse for you? The, 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 your knees hurting from working out or the fact that you can't get off your damn couch without someone helping? You can do this. Anybody can do this. And I know someone listening to this podcast right now who I'm friends with, who I'm, I'm speaking directly to, but I'm talking to all of you. But the one guy who I know is listening right now. He knows it. He's saying to me, yeah, Sean, I know you're talking to me. Dude, call me. You got my number. You know, and everybody here has my number, 917-509-9008. Say, Sean, I want to lose weight. Help me. I'm more than happy to help you. Choose your pain. Choose your hurt. Say, you know what? I know it's going to hurt to work out, but it hurts even more to not to work out. The most important thing you have to remember is you have to sacrifice to get what you want. 
You know, you need to you need to be dedicated. You need to work hard. You need to be disciplined, and you have to sacrifice, and that will help you get it done. Anyway, that was my. I'm sorry if I got a little too much into that, but it just. I'm so. I feel so strongly about it because I know what it feels like to feel like you have no choice. To feel like you know what, this can never happen for me. It can happen. It can work. You know, I never ate vegetables my whole life. I eat fucking broccoli now. I hate it, but I eat it. You know what I mean? It's like, I'd be like, get this green shit off my plate. But you know what? (laughs) I eat it now. I I drink protein shakes. Yeah, neither, neither broccoli nor the protein shake tastes as good as a McDonald's hash brown. It doesn't. But you know what? What tastes better to me than that McDonald's hash brown is the fact that I can walk a mile now and not feel like I'm going to die. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll share something with you folks that I've never, that I, six months ago would have never shared because I'd be too embarrassed. I've never been to Alex's school because it's on the fourth floor of a building in Manhattan and I can't do the stairs. And now I don't go simply because I don't like Alex. <laughs> but I could do the stairs, but fuck him. I won't visit him. <laughs> I'm going to be so happy the day you make it up there, man. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be amazing. And, I'm, and it's going to be sooner than you think because somehow I have to get the damn book. That's so, right. That's right. They're available <laughs> in our pro shop, which is on the fourth floor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's, that's really what I want to say as far as uh, fitness goes. And, you know, Alex... I like to break his I like to break his shoes a lot about you know his zero percent body fat, but the fact is the guy's in incredible shape, not because he was born that way. I know baby, you were born that way, but it's not that's not why Alex is in great shape. The first time I met Alex, he was carrying around a gallon of water. He probably doesn't even remember that I remember no not that I remember that <laughs> but the, yeah. the, the first thing I felt bad, I'm like, oh, this poor bastard doesn't own a, a, a fountain of water he he has to carry a <laughs> bottle of water it's like it's, but you know he actually did it for health reasons i I was yeah. feeling bad again, I want to have a telethon for him <laughs> yeah, I drink a gallon of those every day if I don't drink that sometimes i I, I drink like a gallon of uh, the the dark Japanese green tea, but I make sure I drink one every day uh, just keep the, the system nice and flush and and keep my energy and hydration high because I always forget to hydrate uh, mainly because I'm so busy so I just made it a thing when you're carrying a gallon jug of water around with you you can't forget about it because it's a pain in the ass to carry around. So I did that because I, I wasn't hydrating myself. I would get like really dizzy teaching classes and wonder why. And I just wasn't drinking enough water. And so I had to make a lifestyle change. And and, and I feel so much better. I mean, making sure that I drink enough uh, was a one of the best changes I made to my, my busy lifestyle for sure. Well, you know what? An active, busy lifestyle is a great indicator of of health you know i know for me the more that i find myself doing proves to me that i'm getting healthier and getting in better shape Uh, i'm doing things now i just never did before you know i i would never go for guitar lessons before ever why because it involved leaving the house and leaving the house involved getting up out of the couch and now you know i got to the point where i can go for guitar lessons i can do things i you know i went to go see a comedy show with my son I can do things now that I could never do before. And, and, and the biggest example of this is I'm taking on students again. I right. can teach. There's very few things that I love more than martial arts. I mean, you know, family aside and the New York Rangers aside, I, you know, there's, mo- there's not much more I love more than a martial arts. And 
breaking my ass to lose weight and get in shape is giving me the ability to do what I love again, to, to teach and train in martial arts. And listen, I'm, when you, if anybody there comes out to meet me, you're going to say, wow, this dude is still really heavy. Yeah, I really am. But I'm so much better shape than I was. And watch me six months from now. I'm going to be so much better shape than I am now. You have no idea how determined I am. It's that determination that will drive you through your cravings. It's that determination that will drive you through your, your, the pain of working out. You need to have that. Call me. I will help you. If you say, I'm ready to give up, don't. Call me. I'm, I'm more than happy to work with anybody. But again, well, I'm, not a, I'm not a trainer. I'm not a nutrition. I just want to say that. <laughs> Well, Sean, that was really beautiful. I was going to work out anyway, but I just feel like I listened, like I eat thunder and crap lightning. I'm super ready to go now. <laughs> yeah, and when you're done, don't post a picture like freaking topless on Facebook because it just depresses me, you know what I mean? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hashtag you and tag you on every single one of those from now on because I know how much you love them. <laughs> well, um... If, you, if you're on Facebook, make sure you guys go to uh, and like our page, facebook.com slash dudes of kung fu. And, Absolutely. Um, Write down questions you want us to talk oh, about yes. on, on the show, and we'll, we'll definitely try our best to get to it. We have an email address now. It's uh, dudesofkungfu at gmail.com. So you can just send us uh, questions and comments uh, through the email. Um, and we actually also have a Twitter feed. That's right. We're on at, the Twitters now. We're, we're on the Twitters now. Uh, at, at sign at uh, Dudes of Kung Fu. We put a lot of thought into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, follow us on Dudes of Kung Fu. I'm also on Twitter as well. Uh, I have a new website, SifuAlexRichter.com, which also has a page for the podcast, which if you want to uh, listen to the podcast uh, off the internet, you can also uh, stream it from my website as well. Uh, and, and yeah, so we're, we're getting out there. So Dudes of Kung Fu is growing uh, every week, and, and we're very happy for all the support. And, and tell your friends about it, and, and we'll continue to try to deliver uh, uh, fun shows for you guys. And without being able to say any name, Jack, because nothing's nailed down, we have some uh, seriously impressive people lined up to come on the show. That's right. As guests. And the uh, first one's going to happen soon. And trust me, you're going to say, holy shit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I won't tell them that it's Bill Cosby. So, oh, damn it. Oh, damn it. Never mind. Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> awesome. Well,. That was a lot of fun, Sean, and, and man, thank you so much for that there at the end with the motivation, with the uh, uh, getting in shape and everything like that. I, th I think, uh, you know, hopefully people will take you up on that offer, and, and like I said, I'm about to go on my workout now, and I'm like super pumped just having listened to you, so <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, my the first song today on my workout is, is definitely going to be the Rocky theme, and, and there I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to hit that heavy bag even harder now, having heard you uh, say all that really amazing motivational stuff. You go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> all right folks we'll see you next week all right take care guys bye-bye bye-bye